Okay, we are in a series called Who is My Neighbor? I, f- I feel like we've had two really great weeks, really strong weeks, really challenging weeks. Anybody else feel that way? Are you excited about it? And, um, and I really wanted to do this series, especially before we got back to church, before we started meeting again. By the way, uh, news alert, here's what we're trying to do. Now, everything changes every day around here, around here being America, so we don't know. <laughs> But here's the plan, okay? Here's the plan. The plan is that we start meeting on Sundays again, August 2nd. Y'all excited about that? Sunday, August 2nd. Now, we're going to do it safely. We're going to do it uh, excellently. We're going to do it to where we can minister to your children. We're going to do it where it's a great uh, ministry to you and your whole family. Seating will be limited, so we'll have to do some kind of RSVP system to get people in and out of the building and, and just do it in a way that's safe and excellent. But August 2nd is the date. Uh, we'll, we'll do our three morning services, 9, 10, 30, and 12. Be, be looking out for that, and I'm really excited about it. But I wanted to do this series before we start that, and then in August, I'm going to uh, spend the month talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited about that and about the power of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, what the Apostle Paul called fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm really excited about August, but um, we're going to continue on this series. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. One day, an expert of the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. So he said, so, uh, like, who is my neighbor? (laughs) How does that work? So Jesus replied with a story. By the way, anytime Jesus replies with a story, you're in trouble, okay? He's going to let you have it. A Jewish man, everyone say a Jewish man. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho because he's, he's talking to a Jewish audience. And he now brings up a Jewish man. And he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Right away, this, this leader in the law, this lawyer, this, this upper echelon man in this society, as soon as Jesus said, by chance, a priest came along, he immediately went, oh, okay, here's the hero of the story. That's what he's expecting. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him. And again, the man and the whole audience there would have thought, okay, okay, here's the hero of the story. But look what he did. He walked over, he looked at him, and then he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. 
Now, which of these three would you say was the neighbor to the man? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The man could not even say Samaritan. (laughs) Then Jesus said, yes, go now and do the same. Go now and do the same. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word that it has this supernatural ability to, in just a few minutes as we come under its influence and its anointing and its its creative power that as you speak into us, it can change us, it can wash us, it can transform us. I thank you for the power of the word. I thank you that no one today is watching by accident. I thank you that you have a word for all of us in season today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, and amen, and amen. Thank you, brother. So we learned last week that there was a major racial and social and religious tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, Tension would actually be a, a, a major understatement. There was hatred. The Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Uh... And the ministry of Jesus begins right in the middle of all of this hate, all of this tension, all of this racism, all of this pride, all of this ignorance. Jesus appears into this society and he begins to minister both to the Jewish people and to the Samaritan people. We saw that beautifully in John 4 and other places in the Gospels. And so when we read Luke 10, if you know the context, then you know how awesome this story is. And it's awesome all by itself, but it's really awesome if you started reading in Luke 9. Because in Luke 9, Jesus actually went through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. Now this is a different story than John chapter 4. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Holy Week is about to begin. The end of Jesus' life is about to start and he walks through Samaria one more time. But this time when Jesus walks through Samaria, the Samaritans reject him and they reject the disciples. Here is the disciples' response to their rejection. Y'all ready for it? Luke chapter nine, verse 54. When James and John saw this, when they saw the rejection of the ministry of Jesus, (laughs) here was their prayer. Lord, Should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Have you ever prayed that on Facebook? Have you ever just thought, Lord, can you electrocute them on the other side? Just, ah, just can anything, Lord? Just, y'all don't need to say amen. You can leave me out here hanging. That's okay. Think about this. They go through Samaria. The Samaritans give Jesus the cold shoulder. And the disciples don't think, man, we need to pray for them. And we need to love on them. And we need to serve them. Man, man we got to do more for this community. They go, there was an old, there's a scripture here somewhere about Elijah and fire. Let's do that one, Jesus. Let's do the Elijah. Let's burn them up. Should we call down fire? Like they could. In other words, they were saying, Jesus, can you call down fire? 
Verse 55, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. (laughs) So when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he isn't just speaking to the Jewish leaders that are asking him these questions. He's talking to his disciples. Hey, he's talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to us. He's talking to anyone who has placed their faith in Christ because all of us, at times, want God to do the judgment thing on people we don't like. Of course, we never want him to do that with us. I mean, because we're good, Jesus. We good. We good. We good people. You know my heart, Lord. But those people. <laughs> so this story is scandalous. It's offensive. If you're, if you're there 2,000 years ago and you're hearing Jesus teach, it's offensive. It's almost impossible to even grasp to the hearers. Jesus is breaking every stereotype we have about those who are not like us. And he challenges us with two major thoughts. Is this all right that I'm teaching a little bit? I feel the conviction in the room. Y'all being quiet, but it's okay. Here's the first thing that he challenges with. First, we must do good to those who are not like us. You got to be nice. Sorry, you got to be nice. Well, I love them, but I don't like them. No, that's not Bible love. No, we got to do good to those who are not like us. But secondly, I believe even more challenging is that those who are not like us have the ability to do good. See, we say the good Samaritan. Jesus never used that term good Samaritan. The lawyer definitely never used the term good Samaritan. Now we have good Samaritan churches and good Samaritan hospitals. And and we call this the parable of the good Samaritan. No Jewish person at this time was calling a Samaritan good. This is challenging. Because he's calling us first to do good, but then he's, he's calling us to actually admit that the people we don't like might actually be able to do good. Now, now, feel this. Jesus could have used the Samaritan as the victim. Y'all with me? Come on, say amen. Jesus could have used the Samaritan. He could have said this poor Samaritan was walking down the road and got beat up. And of course, the hero, the Jewish priest, the Jewish rabbi, the, 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 the Levite, the temple assistant, the, it could have been anybody. And the Jewish people listening would have said, yeah, see, we're such good people. We're so great. We're always so kind. We're so compassionate. We're, we got this all together. He could, have, he could have absolutely just spoken in to their own bigotry. But instead he says, hey guys, a Jewish man was beat up. A Jewish man was robbed. A Jewish man was all alone. So he turns it immediately and as soon as he does it, there is automatic tension. So who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the person God is calling you to love that you don't want to love. 
I, I feel another pause for effect happening right here. I just feel this little moment of silence. Just let it, one more time. Your neighbor is the person that God is calling you to love that you don't want to love. Jamie, I love everybody. Yeah, right. It might be someone you know. It might be someone you don't know. It might be a family member. It might be your spouse. <laughs> it might be a friend. It might be a coworker. D- don't forget these words from Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 32. He said, he said it's, it's easy to love people who love you. He said, there's no reward with that. He said, he said even the unbelievers do that. He said, but the challenge is to love your enemy, is to bless those who curse you, is to pray for those who persecute you, is, is to show love and kindness to those that you disagree with. That's who your neighbor is. That's who God's calling you to love. And I would, I would submit to you that whoever that person is or that group is, or that ideology is, or whoever that is that right now is coming to your mind, that's actually the level of your maturity. That's actually the level of your love walk. Those you love the least is actually the best marker to know where your love really is. Like, I can't, I can't judge my, my, my love walk by how I love Goldie. She's my little baby girl. She gets whatever she wants. It's yes, yes, yes. That's my girl. Not by how I love my, my wife. That's easy. We got a great marriage. 14 years in August. Let's go. It, as always, you know, there's been some rough parts to it. Praise the Lord. But right now it's good. I say right now like this week. No, like, you know what I mean? Like, we good. Like yesterday was, no, no, it's good, it's good. My, my point is that's not the challenge. The, the challenge is to love people who frustrate me. Can we just be real? Can we just be honest? And that's where my, that's where my love walk needs to grow to. Not to how I treat my three-year-old daughter. But how I treat the person that has offended me. So let me just give you three simple points today. I'm going to preach quick because this one hurts. Number one, don't cross the road. Don't cross the road. Did, did you see it? The priest, he saw the man and he went, oh, uh-uh. And the Bible said he crossed the road. He went to the other side. He created distance. I think religion, and I'm going to break down religion a little bit today because I think religion can sadly give us an excuse in our heart to judge a person who is hurting and reject them. (laughs) Because if you're if you're religious and not in a life-giving relationship with Christ, if you're religious, then all the good in your life you take the credit for. So when you see someone struggling, things like this come up, like, well, they probably deserve it. They probably didn't pray enough. They probably, they probably didn't do enough. They probably aren't working hard enough. They, 
They, they probably shouldn't have been on that road anyway. I mean, what was he doing over there anyway? Maybe they should have more faith. And we're guilty of it. I don't, I don't know why that person is, is at that four-way stop asking for money. But God forbid anything in my heart comes up like, well, I bet they're just scamming me or I bet, well, I, well they should have, well, they could have, well, they, I don't know. Because I know really good people that have fallen on really hard times and had no plan for it. They didn't know they were going to lose their job. They didn't know they were going to get sick. They didn't know they were going to, they didn't know they were going to lose that. They didn't know they were going to sign a bad deal. They, they had no idea. But I think that that religious spirit, we, we pat ourselves on the back for the, the things that only grace provided. And then judge anybody for their struggle. So we can see the hurting and instead of having compassion, compassion, we actually judge their pain. And I really hope in this season, my God, in this season especially, I hope our compassion has been growing. This COVID season, this unexpected this season, this, oh my gosh, my house value is dropping season, this I just got laid off season, this I don't know how I'm going to make it. I hope that in that I hope our compassion is actually growing for people because I think it's making all of us go, oh, wow, we didn't, we didn't expect this. We didn't know this was going to happen. We didn't know. This is, okay, hear me. This is not a time to judge and create distance. Did you see it? He created distance. This is a time to draw close with compassion. See, because most of, of religious thinking is you, you, you focused. And if we're not careful, we will end up like Job's friends. Judging Job saying, you obviously did something wrong. Now, I am, I am not saying that personal responsibility doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. The vast majority of my messages are about faith, about believing God, about, about believing God for something, about trusting God, about, you know, doing something. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not changing that, that part of my ministry because that is my, I'm a faith guy and I, and, and, and I believe in the power of faith and I believe in the, in the power of preaching faith and, and causing you to believe God, but but my faith should never make me cold. My faith should never make me mean. <laughs> it should cause me to want to help people, want to love people, want to serve people, want to get closer and not get further. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on, clap your hands and say amen to this preacher if you believe it. Instead of creating distance, choose to get closer. Instead of just cutting somebody off, invite them in. I've been talking about this a lot, but like conversations. I've had so many conversations over the last month with people. And almost all the conversations have ended with, wow, we actually pretty much agree on everything. 
we got, we got a few disagreements. We got a few things that are like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like how you said that, or I didn't, or, yeah, that was a little. But overall, well, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty much on the same page. If there's distance, that's where your imagination has room to grow. But once you close the gap and talk, there's no more distance. There's, there's, there's less room for misunderstanding. <laughs> Relationships. I love you regardless. I, we may disagree, but I love you. Because I love you more than I love your ideas. And I love you more than I love an opinion. I love you more than I love my opinion. That, that religious thing in that priest wanted to separate from the hurting. But we got to run towards it, not away from it. Now, let me talk about the news really quick. Y'all ready? Can I just vent? Can I get on a soapbox? Is that okay? I'm, gonna get on, I'm already on one, so here we go. Now, now, listen. When I talk about the news, you like who you like. I like who I like. We all got our favorite news station. So watch your news. You do you, boo-boo, Okay. We, we like who we like. We don't like who we like. We, it's all good. I don't care about that. But you just remember this. Your, your news station that you love is owned by an entertainment company. Don't forget that. Just don't forget that. Just don't forget that. I don't believe that. Google it. Everything about Google is true. Okay, no, but this is actually true. And, and they know they need you to watch. So they're going to entice you with fear and overall bad news because that keeps you coming back. What happened today? Where are the numbers at today? What did they say today? What did Fauci say today? What did Trump say today? What happened with, what happened with her today? What happened with him today? And you got to come back every day. And, they, and, and the news knows how to perfectly just give you that thing. You know, they say that it's like 75% of articles that are shared on Facebook People never even read the article. They just read the, they just read the headline and it's like, Corona's going to destroy the earth in four days. Ah, repost. You know, they didn't read it. <laughs> repost. How many times can I repost? Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me just say what the news does. So they give you the worst case scenario and they usually give us the furthest ideas on the left and right. I'm helping you. You go, what does this have to do with, with the gospel preacher? It has everything to do with relationships. So that's why it matters. Because the, the right is going to tell you the furthest left ideology. And the left is going to tell you the furthest right ideology. And then they tell you all Democrats are this. Or all Republicans are this. And then, yeah, look at that gap. Somebody just said, thank you for helping me preach. So we got this. And then you go, oh my gosh, that's what all Democrats think. That's what all Republicans think. Oh my gosh, that's what all. And those are the furthest, furthest, furthest views. So, so we have things like this happening right now. This is the most important election in our lifetime. What about the one four years ago? That's what y'all told me four years ago. Y'all told me I got four years ago is the most important. This is even the more most important election of our lifetime. Because if Biden is elected, we're going to become a leftist, communist, Marxist, socialist, ist, 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 ist. Oh, my God. 
But that's what the right's telling it. And then the left's telling us, if you let Trump in again, you are a racist murderer. <laughs> and he's going to destroy the planet. Oh, my God, we got it. There's going to be a World War III. Oh, my God. I don't know where that voice came from. <laughs> my concerned voice. Okay. And they're, and they're telling us the, the extremes. And what I've learned, I know a lot of people, I don't know everybody, but I know a lot of people, most people are actually pretty moderate. They're actually pretty much in the middle. <laughs> I know Democrats that are, that, are, that are not that, and I know Republicans that are not that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that, I know it's tense talking about this kind of stuff, right? I know it's tense. I can feel how tight it is. Ooh. I know my wife, wherever she's at right now, is praying in tongues right now. Like, God, just go. She's really concerned about me right now. Lord, don't let anybody else leave our church. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay, so I'm trying to. Y'all know it's true, right? Y'all know it's true. It's like, okay. So, so we hear that, and we hear those, that crazy fear, and then we blanket everybody. And we go, man, that person's statement or words or poster, I, okay, well, they're obviously, boom, that. And all of a sudden, we have more division. Uh, again, I did this, this Q&A on, on Instagram, and I had two questions back to back. It was really funny. First question was, can a Democrat really be a Christian? And the next question was, can a Republican really be a Christian? And some of y'all are like, no! <laughs> okay, well, whatever. I'm not here to argue that. I'm just here. That's where we're at. <laughs> so I, I know a lot of people, and I know so few who are on those like extreme sides of things. Most are not. But the narrative does not represent where most people are at. The narrative represents the extremes because it gets views. So instead of crossing the road, separating ourselves more, why don't we walk right up to people and talk and pray and love and serve? And we might disagree, but we're going to disagree on the same side of the road. Because because our love for each other is stronger than our disagreements. And it's okay to have disagreements. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you can't think. I'm not saying you can't have views. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. I'm just saying people matter more. I'll take an amen. If y'all want to give it to me, I'll take one. Don't cross the road. Number two, do what you can do. A temple assistant walked over. And he looked at him. And then he crossed the road. Verse 32. The assistant walked over and he looked. And then he left. He looked. And then he left. I think he probably thought to himself, man, someone needs to do something. Okay. <laughs> he just... <laughs> Because I think that when we see issues in our world, it, it just, it all feels so big that it's like, what can I even do? 
he could have done something. He could have, he could have said, hey, man, you, you need some water? He could have talked to him and checked on him. But he just looked and walked away. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Here's the question I want you to write down in your notes. Here's the question I want you to wrestle with this week. What can I do? What can I do to be salt and light in the world? There's a lot I can't do, but what can I do? There's a lot of things I can't change. What can I change? There's, there's a lot of things that are, that are above my pay grade, but, but what's in my pay grade? I can't do everything, but I could probably do something. I can probably help someone. I can probably be a blessing to somebody in my life. You can serve. You can pray. You can help somebody. You can, you can grow. You can be a blessing to the people, literally your neighbors, literally the people on your street. Do what you can do. I, I think that probably the temple assistant, being a young man, was probably so overwhelmed by the need that it was so big to him and so intimidating to him that he just felt like, I've got nothing for this situation, and he left. And I think we can feel that way. So let's not focus on the, on the massiveness of our world's problems. And let's just figure out what we can do at our level. Don't get stuck on what can't be done. Just do what can be done. I'm talking about in your family. I'm talking about with your children. I'm talking about with your spouse. I'm talking about with your parents. I'm talking about, I'm talking about in your world. Okay. Kind of the opposite of how this temple assistant responded. Look at Acts chapter 3 now. Acts chapter 3 verse 3. Peter and John are walking into church to pray. And when Peter um, and John are entering into the temple, there's a man there who's lame. He cannot walk. And he asks them for money. Verse 4 says, Peter and John looked at him. Now, the temple assistant looked and they looked. But they didn't stop at the look. They looked intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. In other words, that's not what you need, bro. <laughs> but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Do you see the difference? The, the temple assistant walks up and he looks and he leaves. Peter, I just want you to catch this. He looks and he doesn't just respond. He looks intently. Like give it one more moment. Look and pray. And Can I help? Can I be a blessing? Can I serve? Can I, what can I do? He looked intently, and then he spoke. Look at us. Let's connect eye to eye. Let's, let's see what God can do in this moment. They heard the man crying out. They looked at the man. They spoke to the man. Hear me. They reached out to the man. They lifted up the man. They shared Jesus 
with the man. They brought Jesus into the conversation and it could have been so easy to be religious and pious and, oh my gosh, we're going to be late to prayer. We got to go and just bounced off and ran off to church. But instead they stopped and they said, maybe this is a God moment. And those are things you can do. You can, you can hear. You can be a listening ear. You can look. In other words, you can give somebody time and attention in a conversation. You can talk. Speaking words of life and encouragement. You can, you can reach out. I feel like culture's telling me to pull back, but I'm going to reach out. I feel like culture's teaching me to fear, but I'm actually going to reach out. I feel like culture's telling me to push down anybody that doesn't agree with me, but I'm actually going to lift them up so we can actually... And then I'm going to bring Jesus into the conversation. And we're going to speak the name of Jesus. And we're going to, in other words, we're going to get God's mind on the thing. We're going to, we're going to find out what God, and we're going, to, we're going to actually bring Christ into the conversation. And the man was healed, and they preached the gospel. And many were saved because they didn't just go through the religious routine of just going to church. They became the church. I don't know if they ever got in that prayer meeting. I think they took the prayer meeting to the street. And you can do the same thing. Here's my last point. Show mercy. Show mercy. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. I don't know if y'all just caught it. Jesus describes loving your neighbor as showing mercy. That, that is, that is the, that's it right there, y'all. Jesus described loving your neighbor Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus described loving your neighbor. He gives you a definite. What does it mean to love my neighbor, preacher? It means showing mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is kindness and a desire to help someone. Mercy is, and this, and this, this Greek word here means to show kindness and a desire to help. You can do that. Love is, Bible love is, I have to love him because God told me I had to love him. No, Bible love is I can show kindness and I can help. We can all do that. And here's an interesting passage of scripture that I've been wrestling with a lot that I think is so applicable, especially to, to where we're at in our world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now, we know the context of this is specifically God's love for us and our love for God, and, and we do not have to be afraid of God. And that's the, that's the context of 1 John chapter 4. But the meaning can go further. Let me submit to you that you won't be afraid of someone you love. Say it again. Okay, let me say it one more time. 
You won't be afraid of someone you love. And you won't love someone you're afraid of. (laughs) So as long as we're afraid of each other, we can't love each other. As long as we believe the lies about each other that the world is telling us to believe, politically, racially, economically, whatever the lies are that we're being fed, as long as we're believing those, we can't love each other because we're afraid of each other. Fear can come from ignorance. It can come from assumptions. It can come from a bad experience. It can come from misinformation. It can, it can come from only getting one view and, and not seeing the world in a bigger way. What, whatever it is, once, fear, once I'm afraid of you, I can't love you. Whoever you are. Once I label you and call you my enemy, I can't love you. Once I deem you dangerous, I can't love you. And I'm talking socially here. I'm talking about how, the, how the, the, the world is just trying to divide us. And there's, there's, there's no love in fear. See, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is doubt. So let me just, the opposite of of love is not hatred, it's fear. And then from the fear that we have of each other. But the moment you talk to someone, you go, oh, wow, we're actually, man, you're, you're great. We're good. Oh, yeah, we disagree on that for sure, but I love you. I mean, we don't see the world the same here for sure, but I love you. Okay, we have a big disagreement here, but I love you. I'm no longer afraid of you, but I'm telling you, it's like every time I turn on the TV, someone is telling me I need to be afraid of somebody else. And I'm telling you, there's no fear in love and there is no love in fear. And as long as we are afraid of each other, We can't love each other. So don't be afraid of people that are different than you. And maybe maybe that was the priest issue. Maybe he saw the guy laying on the side of the road and went, man, maybe this is a setup. Maybe if I go help him, other people are going to attack me. Maybe this, and there was fear. Maybe there was fear in that temple assistant who went, Oh man, if I, I, don't, I don't have enough to help him. And, and out of insecurity, and there was fear. And because there was fear, there was no love. But then there was this not good Samaritan. That's what we call him, huh? But what did, what did Jesus call him? The despised Samaritan. And every disciple was gritting their teeth. Man, the keys come up. Play me out of here. I'm preaching too long. And every, and every Jewish leader was wringing their hands. And they went, don't you dare. 
make the person I hate the hero of this story. Don't you dare do that, don't you? And he said he bandaged him and he healed him and he helped him. And in that moment, Jesus calls us to love those who are not like us, to also admit that those who are not like us have the ability to love. And you know what it does? It humbles us. Do you know what it does? It makes us fall at the feet of Jesus and go, oh my gosh, I have such a long way to go and to grow. And it brings us right back to the cross, right where we should always be. (laughs) So who has shown you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God? Micah chapter 6 verse 8. I want to stay right there. Ooh, the political season is just going to get hotter and hotter. The debates are going to get fiercer and fiercer. The world is shaking. The world is divided. I'm going to hang out right here. I'm going to do justly. I'm going to love mercy. And I'm going to walk humbly. And I don't know if I can change the world. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to get caught up on that, but I'm going to love my world. I'm going to be salt and light to my world. And I'm going to stay at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to stay there too. I want you to be informed. I want you to know what you believe. I want you to vote your values. I want want all, and and you're going to do all that whether I want you to or not. So you're going to be good on all that. In the, in the midst of all of that, let's do justly. In the midst of all that, let's love mercy. In the midst of that, let's walk humbly with our God. You know, if you do that, there's going to be, I believe, times that you'll say things and people go, what in the world? Why'd you say that? Are you a Democrat? No, no, no. I just cared about this thing. And other times you'll say something else and go, oh my gosh, are you a Republican? No, not necessarily. I just, because the kingdom is bigger than a party. And God is bigger than one political ideology. (laughs) And sometimes being a follower of Jesus will get us in trouble with our culture. If you don't believe me, just read the book of Acts today. 28 chapters of drama for men and women that chose the Jesus way. (laughs) I'll end with this. Jesus is our good Samaritan. He didn't cross the road or walk away. He came close. He was rejected by his own, but he healed our wounds. He provided for our needs. Today he offers us that oil and that wine. Salvation in him, healing in him, life in him. 
you could say yes to Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, pray with me right now. If you feel far from God, pray with me right now. Pray something like this out loud. and Give your life to Christ. The Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord, we will be saved. Let's pray together. Say, say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. I declare with all of my heart, Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen. And amen. Well, I hope today's word is growing us, maturing us, and establishing us in the love of Jesus. And uh, I, I, I pray we're being challenged because I think the word should challenge us. And I pray that, that believers in this season are talking a little different and thinking a little different because we're seeing it from the, from the kingdom's perspective. I pray that city light will always be a city on a hill, a city of refuge, a place of hope and life, a place where people know no, no matter who they are, they can come and they can meet their creator. His name is Jesus. And I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of the maturity you're showing. I'm so proud of the lean in you're showing. Well, let's keep it going. I can't wait till we can gather again. I, I believe it's going to be very soon, as I said. And, uh, but until then, let's just let's stay connected and uh, let's live this out. Just like, just like Peter and John, let's take it out of the church and let's take it to the streets. In Jesus' name. All right, just before we dismiss, Amanda has just a few more uh, things for us. So she's going to come up and, um, and then she'll dismiss you out. Come on up. Thank you.